Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host once again for this week's episode. Joining me on the show this week is Mike Christofferson. He's been on the show before. You've heard me talk about his EEPROM and programming class. We hosted it up here in June. I've attended a couple other ones, but he's done it all around the country. I know a lot of you listeners have attended his training. Uh, we're going to talk about exactly that, what he's got going on with his training courses, how they've evolved, what he's got planned for the future, uh, some options for people that are interested in taking it. Um, but we're also going to talk about some tooling, some control modules, some projects we're working on, and a lot more. If you're interested in taking any of these classes, uh, there's going to be some online options that you'll hear Mike talk about. Check out the links in the show notes. And if this is an area of automotive that you're interested in exploring, I would strongly encourage you to do so. So check those out. But with that out of the way, let's jump in. All right. Good evening, Mike. Happy Halloween. How are you doing? Happy Halloween. I'm doing well. <laughs> I, um, I misjudged the amount of candy that I needed two years in a row now. Um, last year... This is my first last year was my first time in this house here and I way misjudged the amount of kids in the neighborhood and I ran out in like 45 minutes. So I had to turn my lights off. So I went overboard this year and I had a ridiculous amount of candy and there were still a lot of kids, but I bought way too much. So I was just shoveling it into uh <laughs> pillowcases and little <laughs> Halloween boxes by the end of the night. I'm like, here, just take it. I don't want it. <laughs> oh, cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's fun. Uh, last year I, I'm at the office this time. So my wife is handling it. But okay. last, last year I was at home and, uh, when, by the time we went to the store, we put it off and we went to the store late. All they had was full size candy bars. So we were, <laughs> We were giving away full size candy bars, and all the kids were like, "Wow, full size!" <laughs> you were that house. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun to see all the all the little kids, and uh, they're they were having a great time out there. Um, it's it's a cool neighborhood I'm in. It's it's just a lot of lot of families, which. Um, the where I was at before was it was very different. Um, the the people around. So it's, it's cool to be in a, just a quiet neighborhood. I really enjoy it quite a bit. Nice. Nice. Mine's pretty quiet too. And a lot of, a lot of kids We're we're in the starter home area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, not the big fancy houses, just a normal people houses. So there's a lot of kids in our area as well. So I, I totally get and understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like my place. I just wish it was a little bigger. I need more room. I, I need a whole room or a whole area to do the work on 
you know, my stuff, whether it be modules or podcast stuff or whatever. And so it, it definitely encroaches on the rest of my house, like my dining room table and kitchen table and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had to be careful about that. I, I actually bought a little toaster oven uh, to to heat up my modules in because my wife would not let me put it in the oven. Yep, yep. I I feel like if you've been doing this for a certain period of time, you've had that thought like, oh, I'll just I'll just stick it in the oven. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. I, you know, I actually had a successful one with that too. It was a Ford radio out of an F-150 and um, it was just blinking the time on the display. It was, it was just a small display. It wasn't an actual touchscreen or anything, but it was just blinking the time and it didn't work. Um, and it seemed like the module is just power cycling over and over and um, did some reading online and said it was a, uh, one of the processors, the legs or the traces to the processor had some issues and to reflow everything, you know, <laughs> he put it in the oven, heat it up and it actually worked. Um, I did it for about 15 minutes on a real low setting and let it, let it cool down and we brought it back and it, it fired up and it worked the way it was supposed to. I was pretty impressed actually. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> right. What'd you have it set at? Like 300 or 350? Um, you know, I, I actually wrote it down. Let me, let me see it. Cause I, I made a note for myself in the future. If I ever run into one of those again. Um, cause yeah, I could easily see it <laughs> being <laughs> too high. <laughs> it just melt all the plastic in the thing. Um, 375 for eight minutes, and then I just let it sit for 15 before I touched it because I didn't want to bump anything loose. Oh, gotcha. So you just left it in the oven. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. I, I opened the door, and I just let it sit there. Yeah. Um, I put some flux around the processor, too. Again, I don't know for sure where the, where the break was. I didn't go that in-depth to it, but... It worked when I was done. So I, and I told the guy too, I was like, Hey, this might happen again, but it's an old Ford truck and the radio was $400. So, you know, what are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What, uh, what projects uh, are you working on? Anything cool? Uh, I've got a, uh, an NGC computer with, uh, no charging. I'm trying to, uh, replace the, there's a, I don't know if you'd call it a processor or a, a driver. It's probably more like a driver, but mm-hmm. it's got a lot of lot of different legs on it. And uh, I've got it off, but I've got to figure out how to get it back on there without overheating the replacement one and killing it. Oh, okay. Plus, plus being able to melt all the solder on the legs and underneath because it it has contacts underneath. So you have mm-hmm. to heat heat the whole chip up to heat up those contacts underneath. So it's a little tricky. Some guys have said that they just use chip quick and uh, let that kind of flow in there and sit it down on it. But what I, is I, that? Chip quick? Yeah. It's uh, you can use it uh, on sensitive items. It it melts at a really low temperature. But mm. it's also it's also quite 
brittle. So uh, I don't know that it's the best thing for the vibration inside a vehicle, but some guys have said they've used it. It's meant to take things off. It's not meant to be a permanent, you know, re repair. But I've been trying and trying to find something that's maybe a little bit lower temp for reworking, and, and nobody's really jumping out to okay. say this is this is the stuff we need. So uh, I've got that going on. I've got a, a few uh, Nissan computers that do not have EPROMs. I'm trying to figure out uh, how to get into them. And they they use a Renesis chip, which okay. uh, uh, their, their connections, uh, BDM or JTAG or whatever you want to call them, their connections are quite complex. So you'll You'll connect to the uh, to the terminals on the front, but you also have four or five, six different solder joints. And the bad thing about Renesis is it, there's one set to read it and another set to write it. So you have oh. to desolder de them and move them over and resolder them. And the and the pads that Nissan uses, um, they're very easily torn off. Okay. So you really have to be careful about that stuff too. So um, I really wish there was just a go through the OBD two for these. Yeah. What uh, what vehicles are those found on? Uh, well, the late model Nissans, like newer stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a Hitachi ECU with an aluminum case. Um, they're they're kind of a bugger. I haven't. Haven't really got anything figured out cool for them yet, but I'm still working on that. Um, I failed on a uh, Subaru uh, body control module. It's uh, not the little black cases that look like the ECUs, but uh, it's a. Uh, it looks like a a Ford body control module with all the fuses and plugs and everything. Okay, and it and it uses an MCU. And what I was trying to do was move from one to the other, and uh, the the legs are so tiny on those. I twisted one of the legs, and then trying to twist it back straight, I broke it off. Ooh, so, yeah. so I've been there, man. <laughs> that that was a fail. So uh, I've I've been working on. Uh, uh, I've got a bricked uh, Kia ECU. I'm working on. Uh, it's a, an old uh, Siemens video okay. Sim K forty three. Um, I had to do it boot mode. I was hoping I could just hook it up, but I'm waiting on a donor so I can put a, a proxy file in there to get so I can get it right. Because what happened was my son was programming the transmission. It uh -huh. er it erased it in the process, and then said i can't go any further so it, oh. it bricked <laughs> was that with uh, uh j2534 software yeah yeah that was okay. with the with the uh a kia or hyundai i don't remember which it was uh their j2534 software and he's bricked several in the car with that uh -huh. but i've never had a problem on the bench so mm. there's this it has to be something that's on the network that's causing issues occasionally to cause that okay okay i've heard some people uh recently having issues with the j software um on 
Hyundai Kia stuff. I've been lucky enough to not run into it myself yet, but yeah, that's uh that's definitely a bummer because I've I've heard of all the struggles people go through to change the VINs on those ECMs on those things. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of something we've we've really uh, worked hard on to pioneer here, uh, Kia and Hyundai via the the VINs, and uh, we've uh, figured out some of the uh, immobilizer stuff. So even if we have, uh, let's say the the original. ECU is is damaged to where there's no communication. We can still write in the VIN and then uh, go through a process. We have to do it on the car or the customer being a shop would have to do it on the car. But you uh, you have to neutralize the uh, the donor and then mm. mar- marry it to the vehicle with, with two different PIN numbers. And uh, we've, we've got that one figured out. Um, so it's, it's going really well. I, uh, I had a, uh, one of our instructors, Shannon Hirsch said that the late model Honda, uh, software does not let you write the VIN over only only lets you write it once. So I grabbed, uh, an ECU. I ordered it off, uh, Amazon, not Amazon, eBay. And, uh, I was able to uh, open it up, and they used, I, I couldn't believe it, they used uh, red RTV. Oh. No, that was a bugger <laughs> to get apart. Jeez, yeah. So so I did get it apart, and uh, the, the plugs that go through the case are also RTV'd. And I'm oh, like, how in, how in the world <laughs> am I going to get that board out? And as I was looking at the back of the board, I found what I thought was a EEPROM, and sure enough, it was. Oh, so I was nice. able I was able to lift it. It was a micro EEPROM. I was able to lift it and put it on a board and read it out. And uh, I extrapolated the VIN, and it's like, there's the VIN. Nice. So That's I awesome. Don't, I don't know what to do about the mobilizer yet, but uh, at least we can change the VIN. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is you have something like Honda where traditionally for me, it's always been relatively easy with aftermarket scan tools to do that stuff, but it's always changing. Like you don't, it's not going to stay necessarily easy or doable on a specific brand. They're going to come out with new stuff and there's going to have to be new, you know, workarounds or, or methods to do this stuff. So you're always, you're always going to be learning and coming up with stuff if you want to continue <laughs> you know, yeah. changing modules for people. Yeah, it's it's all about innovation, and uh, you know, we. I was just talking to Pedro De La Torre, and uh, you know what he's done with the Subaru stuff is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a really cool class the other night. I sent him uh, some files from a uh, a new module that's just got the MCU. It doesn't have an EEPROM. And, oh. uh, and I told him what tooling to use to read it. And he, uh, he worked on it over the weekend and he let me know, uh, Sunday morning that he got it figured out. So he knows where the, where the <laughs> VVT, badass. the VVT, uh, numbers are in, in that one. He didn't find it earlier. I sent him to him earlier, but he found it this time. So nice. Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, that's what he did there. That's definitely really cool. Um, the, 
I, I had him on and we talked about his class and then I attended it. Um, I actually, so today I went to the uh, Subaru dealership that's local to me and talked to the service manager and offered him and, you know, the service and, um, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see what comes of it, but it's, that's a cool stuff. The guy was kind of like, Oh really? You can fix those? Are you sure? I was like, yeah, we've, <laughs> I've learned about a method that we could do this. Um, so that sort of stuff is just, it's profitable, but it's really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's as much about the, for me, it's as much about the discovery about figuring things out. It's like a big puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I put on a, uh, a, uh, little, uh, case study. I I sent it to diag.net and put it up there and, and I went step by step of how I fixed this, uh, Kia or Hyundai ECU. And one of the comments at the end was, uh, Wow, if this is what automotive is coming to, I don't want a piece of it. You know, I don't want anything to do with it. And that's like, for me, it's fun. You know, it yeah. keeps it keeps it real. Yeah, that's what's kept me in it for so long is the the ongoing challenges. You don't know what's around the corner, and you're going to have to grow and learn somehow to progress and to keep going. And that, yeah, if it was <laughs> it was easy and the same thing all the time. I'd be out of here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find yeah, something that's, else. That's pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's cool stuff. Um, so you're, you're doing a bunch of this stuff. Obviously you've got the classes that you've gone around the country. Um, you had one here in June, uh, that went really well and everybody really had a good time at that one. Um, are you still traveling a lot for that or what's the, what's the deal on the classes? So, so the classes we've decided to, for the most part, uh, move them here to Utah. Um, we've, we've uh, rented a, a training center here and put it together with, uh, stations and, uh, and, uh, we have cameras and stations and big screens and, and all the tooling here. Uh, we were carrying this stuff all across the country and finding that it was so expensive. And especially, you know, during COVID, it wasn't as bad as you would think it was. But we went, we went to Miami and it was $350 a night for a room. Oh, wow. And, and plus, you know, driving out to Miami, that's a, that's a, a week and wow. a half. Yeah. So we, we, we did that. And then it's like, okay, maybe not go so far. And then, uh, I did a class with Shannon out there in, uh, Oregon. And, uh, you know, we had uh, four or five guys there, but by the time we paid all our expenses, there wasn't, there wasn't much left. So, uh, we figured, you know, if we can have people come to us, we can have a more organized class. Uh, mm -hmm. we'll have all our modules here. Uh, if there's any technical problems, we've, we've, we're, we've got a familiar area. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to try that for a while. We'll still do contract classes. Uh, we have a, a, a minimum of uh, 10 students, mm -hmm. and um, so that would be a minimum of a, uh, well, a minimum of 12 students and the, uh, you know, the cost of each student. That way, uh, we know if we at least go to the Midwest or stay in the West, um, if we play it right, we can, we can still make a few dollars by the time we're done. 
Sure. But, but, uh, you know, we wouldn't go to Miami for 12 students or, uh, I don't think we'd go to Boston again. Uh, we would, we would need to have multiple places to do classes. So we had enough students to, to make it all worth a while, but we're really excited about this. We've, uh, we've got a way we can broadcast now. A lot of guys have said, I'd really like to come to your class, Mike, but, uh, can you do it virtually? And yeah. that would be, that would be super hard on the road. Uh, but oh, yeah. where we, but, but here, you know, my son James and I, we, we've spent several weekends stringing cables and, uh, we found that, you know, there's the USB cables, our, our video was terrible. And so we switched to a, a, a fiber optic cable and it, it was like night and day difference. We're getting 4K, uh, 4k broadcast from these uh, cameras we have and we can actually look at the keyboard and what the guy's working on and switch between you know all that stuff would be really hard on the road but where i've got a team here that can run the computers mm -hmm. uh, it, it makes it it makes it nice uh so uh we're, we're hoping to build a, a higher quality uh product and you know something we can record and and uh and maybe put on a pay site where people could go and, and watch it later on. Sure. Yeah, that uh, would definitely be huge for somebody that's not able to make the trip or whatever. Um, you know, I, I thought one of the big parts of the class for me was just the experience of doing the soldering work too, right? And actually taking the chips off and breaking stuff. And, and that, you know, the hands-on portion of it is definitely eye-opening. So, yeah, if you can make it too a class i'd i'd strongly recommend it but it is nice to have that uh that backup um as well or or just to even get your feet wet i suppose if you're not sure if this is for you and you don't know what a a pad and a processor and uh all these <laughs> terms are being thrown around if you don't know any of this stuff i suppose that would be a good way to introduce yourself to it huh yeah i i agree we we really want uh our our goal is to give each student the confidence to be able to go home and open stuff up and, and start to, and start to, to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think for a lot of guys, including myself, when I started in this, I was scared. I was like, what, what if I ruin this? And I, I do ruin things. It's just mm -hmm. part, part of the game. And we just have to tell our customers, Hey, I can get in here and try this, but it may or may not work. And uh, most people have been willing to 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 try that, uh, but yeah, uh, getting the hands on the tooling. Uh, can you imagine spending, you know, five six thousand dollars on a tool that won't do what you want it to do? <laughs> yeah, I know, kidding. <laughs> so yeah, I I know that that very well because you know we we part of what we do with the classes is we invest in these tools. So our students can come, they can use the tools, they can decide whether that tool is for them or if it's going to do what they want. It's, uh, it's like we sell a tool called IO Terminal. Mm -hmm. And, and guys will say, Oh, I want IO Terminal for Chrysler. Well, there's really not much you can do with Chrysler with IO Terminal. Uh, and that way they don't end up buying an IO Terminal and then expecting to work on Chrysler's and be very sad that you know, yep, yep. they can they can work on GMs and Fords, but the the Chrysler is not 
working very well. There's a few, uh, there's RFH Hub or RF Hub in uh, Chrysler, and also uh, there is Fiat, which go, goes to Chrysler body control modules, but from what I've seen so far, it's not working with the North American market. Yeah, so, I, was gonna, I, I tried one myself on a, it was a Fiat-based Jeep, something or another with the BCM. Is there a different hardware that's involved with making it work? I, I had no success when I attempted it, although I saw the option was there. Well, the, the developer, well, you have to have the license for it. I, yeah, the, I did buy that. Okay, okay. So the developer uh, tells me that the, the part of the problem is that some of the modules are 29-bit and some are 11-bit can. Mm. Okay. So that's that's part of it. And then he's also saying that the uh, the modules that are made in Mexico have a different seat and key than the ones made in Europe. Mm. So uh, I was able to get into uh, a ProMaster City, but uh, I wasn't able to get into a Chrysler 200. Gotcha. Okay. So... so when people ask me about IO terminal for Chrysler, I you know I tell them about that, and they're like, "Oh well, the body control module is the same between a Fiat and a and a Chrysler," and then I say, "Yeah, they look the same, but yeah, the, when the ones and O's come to to play, they're they're, <laughs> they're not uh, they're not doing what we want them to do." Yeah, well, I mean that's that's a good example though, because the thing just knocks it out of the park on GM, ECM, TCMs, like it's it's more stable than the factory program in my opinion. And so if you're doing a bunch of those, it's great, but yeah, it's not going to do what you want on Chrysler vehicles. And I mean, even, even Fords, I've had it, you know, hit or miss on Fords had some struggles there. So you really got to know the tool you're buying. What is it going to be good for? Uh, What, and does it fit what I'm working on, what I'm hoping to get done at the end of the day? Yeah. And then you end up buying all the tools. So Yeah. Well, yeah. When some when somebody says to me, Hey, I want to do everything you can do, what tools should I buy? I just say all of them. Because yep. it, if I could if I could get away with just buying a, a hex prog or a VVDI or an IO terminal, well, you know, why would I spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on all these other tools? Yeah. But but uh it's it's uh there's there's definitely crossover too. Uh, a lot of the programming tools like Hexprog and and now we have Kes3 instead of the K tag and uh, Flex. There's a lot of crossover between them, and yep. so if it doesn't work on one, you can switch to the other. And they use different exploits and means to get into things. Yeah, I have trouble remembering when there's a lot of crossover. What tool will do what? Uh, I was just talking with somebody the other day and, and maybe you've tried this um the uh the gm engine control modules the e38s and 78s i believe it is if you try to clone them with io terminal it doesn't write a couple of the calibrations for the engine control module just it i don't know if it leaves them blank it messes them up and you get a 600 code when you're done so you have to finish it with sps or I just, I'll do the immobilizer, the EEPROM section, and I'll just do SPS because I'm going to have to anyways. But it, somebody was like, well, Flex does these as well. I'm like, well, I wonder 
I wonder if it has that down, if it can actually write the whole thing. Um, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm going to the next one I get. I don't know if you've had any experience with that. I haven't tried it myself, but I don't think it's going to work. And the, and the reason is uh, on those ECUs, the reason you get that weird code is because there are two microprocessors in the in those ECUs. Oh, okay. Uh, one of them is write only, and the other one is read and write. So we can read and write. I think it's the 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 first. I can't remember if there's ten or twelve calibrations in there. Yeah. But the the last two are that second MCU. Mm, okay. uh, so the, the the only tool. Uh, well, there there are no tools uh, publicly available that will that'll address both of them. Now, okay. if you ha- if you had the files for that second MCU, you could probably find a tool that would write it. But you would need those files, those original files. The other thing you can try and do is when you're switching out on a uh, E thirty eight, you you want to get the donor to be exactly the same as yep. the replacement. And if you do that, if those last two calibrations are the same, then it then it's it's great. It works. Yeah. I've only had that work out for me once or twice. <laughs> you know, I'll yeah. check and be like, "Well, hey, if they're if they're close to the same or whatever, but yeah, I usually end up just doing the the SPS, but even then the IO terminal saves you time on that immobilizer. I can I can read it, write it faster than doing the 12 minute wait through SPS uh, easily. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Then you don't, uh, you don't have any of the other cam crank relearn, none of that stuff. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, you know, that makes that tool so valuable. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I've had, I had this, this, uh, customer that, uh, he would go to wrecking yards and pull off parts and put them on cars. And he had a, a Silverado that he went to a wrecking yard and uh, got the transmission control module out of the transmission and put it in a vehicle that was like three years older. And okay. uh, so we hooked up with SPS and it was just the doo-doo. And we knew it was, uh, you know, it wasn't going to happen. And I said, you still have the old one? And he said, yeah. So I hooked up to the old one. I read the data out of it. I and then I connected to the new one or the replacement one, and and uh, it the IO terminal didn't care. It just wrote everything to the other module, and sure. then I followed followed up with SPS, and it flew right through. Nice. And I've had I've had that a lot on the transmissions, where it's just flown through and taken care of it. So yeah, uh, it, the the all our local. Uh, transmission shops that uses uh, call us miracle workers because uh, if if you couldn't do that to get it going then they would have to pull that back out yep. ship it back and then hope they got one that would work mm-hmm. so so it's just that the io terminal is just one of those tools that just keeps on paying you back time and time again oh 100 percent. i've made my money back on that thing uh easily several times over um the the issue because i do a ton of gm transmissions um and the ones that i've run into trouble with in the last i'd say 
year to two years has been the 6L90s um, on the 2500 Chevy trucks from like 2010 to like 12 or 13 where SPS will brick them and you do everything to the letter via service information. I even switched to a jump pack because they don't, they say don't use a charger. I tried my voltage maintainer. I tried to jump pack and it'll get all the way to the end. It'll say vehicle processing update. And then you get the B bonk and then it's a no com. So this, oh. brand, this brand new TCM will not talk to your scan tool anymore. IO terminal through the OBD2 port, no less, will connect to it. And if you have a virgin or the original file, we'll write it even after it bricks. And I've done this uh, a number of times because I keep trying with SPS because I want to do I want to do the factory calibration, right? I want to have the legit up to date calibration so they don't they have the warranty claim code and all that stuff. I want to I want to do it right, but when GM bricks it, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta do this, but it will recover them even when it's a no com. And I don't know if that's true of everyone, but it's been, it's been a lifesaver for me in that respect because I would have had to just stop doing them. Cause I'm not going to keep paying for bricked modules because GM's program's goofy. And I called, I called tech line and you know, they'll, they'll give you the run around like it's your laptop or whatever, but yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I like the tool. So, so let me ask you this: if you if you copy and paste the original uh, TCM to the replacement, yeah, uh, and then follow up with SPS, does it still brick it again? I can't say I've tried that. Okay. Uh, once I <laughs> once I got it in, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna leave well enough alone because I do uh, have that problem where I'm just like, I don't know, I keep hitting buttons and then I'm. Then I'm in a hole, but on those ones, you know, it's, uh, it's, well, cause you got to wait for it to try three times once it uh-huh. fails. And so that's actually a decent process because it goes through the whole bar of programming on SPS three times. So now I'm, I'm already there for, you know, 40 minutes or whatever it is. So then I got to go back through with IO and then I just want to get out of there by that point. So sure. I have not tried that, but that's a good question. I wonder if that would actually work or not. Because you you always worry about those learned values. If it if it had uh, you know burned up clutches in there and it had to increase the uh, line pressure to get the transmission to perform, and then you're taking that same file and dumping it in a brand new one with tight clutches, what's yeah. that gonna do? I do reset <coughs> adaptives through the scan tool. Okay, most of those have either fluid life and then a adaptive reset, or at least one of those two that you can do with the scanner when you're done. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, I always worry about that. I, uh, yeah. I had, I had a, uh, a challenger with a, uh, an eight HP transmission. Uh, they put in a used one. Okay. And, uh, uh I copied it, pasted it, and then, uh, told them, Hey, I got to come back and, uh, program it. And when I got done, I said, you need to do a quick learn. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it won't it won't make it around the block. I mean, it, maybe it would. Maybe it would be fine. But uh, I just didn't want any liability of that thing melting down because the, right. the quick learn hadn't been done. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, those uh, quite a few of those Chrysler transmissions out there, too. Um, all the All the ZF stuff is uh 
hassle. I mean, I think maybe it's because I'm seeing more of it because they have the modules inside, right? So then mm-hmm. I need to be involved because it, the transmission shop doesn't have the the means to finish the job after the rebuild or replacement or whatever. Right. One thing I do like about those ZF 8HPs is so far, all of them have used the same plug. The yeah. Audi, the Audis, nice. the BMWs, and the Chryslers. So, yeah, it, it is nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Audis, seen a few of those. Um, what's the other one with that plug? Yeah, the BMWs. There, There's a couple different versions, or maybe it's just the wiring, because uh, I have mm-hmm. a few different plugs. I label them for what they go to, just for quick connections, but... It is kind of nice when there's a universal connection for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think I think what I did on my plug is uh, I just bridged the ones that are are different. Oh, and, uh, okay. And so so far it's working, but I, I I realize that I could could cause an issue. But it's the uh, if I remember right, it's not the powers in the grounds; it's the uh, the can lines that are in different spots. Yeah, that that sounds right, actually. So if you short a can line, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. going to smoke, smoke something like if you uh, put a power where a ground goes or whatever. Right. I, I can tell you, trying to get actual pins on one of those connectors, especially when it's up in a vehicle... It's like, especially like a BMW or whatever, it ain't happening. I, I tried one yeah. time and I just fighting the thing. So I went home and I found the connector I needed and three more. I'm like, just order them and make myself some easy, easy plug-in cables. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I'm working on these Ford TCMs now. Um, so uh, I got one apart here and um my issue if uh, you can see on this really low quality webcam and i know everybody listening can't see is these uh friction fit pins um there's no solder on these things right. that hold the two board pieces together right and my one of my goals was just to get this top piece off so i could get to the drivers below it but getting those friction fit pins apart is just i have not had much success without breaking them so (laughs) so my understanding and i i'm certainly not the the expert on those ecus is that the drivers underneath that that top board yeah rarely go out oh okay um but the answer on those pins that i have found is I have those little nippers, the side nippers, yeah, and I and I just cut all those off, and then uh, when I put it back together, I just solder them all back together. Well, that part that was. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That that's that's my understanding is they are part of the issue with those TCMs that they they get a poor fit, and yeah. then and and then those circuits aren't working right. So part of what you would do is go through and flow solder on each one of those pins. And then the other thing you want to do is there's a capacitor down in the bottom uh, portion. The, uh, the big one? Okay, so 
the, you can't see the capacitor there. That that goes kind of in that valley. Yeah, with the two white spots there. Uh-huh. Um, you you actually use uh, like a sixteen gauge wire uh-huh. and and solder the wire to the capacitor and then solder it to what would normally uh, go over and pinch the wire the wires of the. Oh, I gotcha. Okay, the, the, uh, the capacitor. Okay. So eliminate some problems there. Awesome. Um, yeah, the um, those those pins. I was thinking the same thing when I saw that they didn't have solder on them, and this thing lives on the side of a manual transmission. I'm like, well, of course, there's going to be some connections issues there. So, so something that we have had success doing a couple times is a lot of our customers buy the Chinese. Uh, version of that, and they look exactly the same. I don't know whether they're the ones they threw to the side because they had problems with them, and so they're reshipping them or reselling uh-huh. them. But uh, anyway, uh, they, they don't work right in in the vehicles. And what we discovered is the firmware or the software inside the the TCM is not correct for a Focus or an Aspire. They're they're it's for, for a fiesta a, or, or or whatever you know yeah. i i don't know what they're for so what we've been doing is we've been cloning from the original to the replacement chinese one and then okay. going and doing the relearn process and we've had pretty good success doing that i'm not going to say everyone's going to work uh some guys are saying it's about a 50-50 deal but okay uh, yeah, we've, now, we've had pretty good success with that. That's very interesting that you say that because I was just talking with some people today on these because, again, very common issue. The junkyards and eBay, like you say, the Chinese ones, but the junkyards will sell people these TCMs. And if it's out of a Fiesta, I have found it does not work in a Focus and vice versa. And you get communication codes about the cluster to the TCM, they both have com codes. And the first one I had, I thought it was an issue and turns out it was the wrong module and IDS will not program it. I tried blank path. I tried back, you know, the backdoor way to do it. It will just air out said, yep, this ain't right for your vehicle until you get one that is for a focus that you're working on a focus or Fiesta, if you're working on a Fiesta. And so I was thinking, I was like, I wonder if a clone of the module would be able to set it right, you know, for, for that particular vehicle. Um, so you're saying that might be, that might be an option. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to stake my reputation on it, but we've uh, had worth a try. We, yeah. We've, we've had really good luck with it. Uh, so uh, we, and we had a couple of dormant units that were front for the, the Fiesta instead of the, the focus. And we put the focus, we, we cloned the focus program into it and they worked as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, is there a specific tool that you're using to do that or is that board level stuff? Uh, no, it's just flex. It's in the flex oh, transmission. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of a secret, but I guess I let it out. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I can always, uh, the magic of editing in case that's, uh, <laughs> you decide that, but, um, that's uh, that's good to know because I have I have flex so I need to find more ways to use it. 
Yeah, so what I did is uh, one of our customers shipped us a used module with the uh, plugs. And so I actually just soldered soldered some wires to the plug, and then I use it with flex. So I have a nice long cable. I just set the plug in. I took, I, I believe on that one, I took the lever and the slides off so I can just slide it in place and then oh, copy nice. and paste. Yeah, it makes it makes it work really nice. I'll tell you what, I got most of my shops trained to save the old module, but I think I want to like put it on my business card or something that says save the old module. <laughs> it's just yeah. variable. Someone's like, yeah. oh no, I threw it away or I sent it back. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> You're killing oh. me here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're uh they're terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... I thought I thought they were bad a few years ago, but I guess we really didn't realize how bad they were until we can't get them. Right, right. Like there's no other options anymore on some of this stuff. Those those TCMs definitely being one of them. There's hundred thousand on back order or something crazy like that. Yeah, it makes you wonder, you know, what chip or what component is short that they can't do it. Yeah, very, very interesting. Although you did mention the Dorman, and I heard Dorman is pumping these out now, so that might be filling some of the need. And a lot, of, a lot of guys say bad things about Dorman. Um, just so everybody knows, I used to work for them, so uh, all their electronics like that that are remanufactured are mm-hmm. actually remanufactured, I believe, in Pennsylvania. So they're not they're not doing it in China and shipping them back. They're locally remanufacturing them, and uh, you know it's it, they're going to have their problems because it's hard to test everything. Right. Uh, but uh, I I I would feel as as secure or more secure with a Dorman part than I would a Cardone. And I don't even know if Cardone does those yet, but. Uh, yeah, I I see a Cardone ECM and something. I'm just I'm like, okay, well, this is gonna fail. <laughs> How many did you order? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just spray painted the box and said it was remanned. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Dorm has definitely been working in the last uh, couple years on that on that reputation. And I think is it Lester? Is that the yeah, Lester Kovacs. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's um, definitely been putting a lot of effort into changing that stereotype around from what it's been on on then, their parts. Then we've got Derek up in uh, he's up in Toronto. Uh, okay. he, he's also in. They're both in what they call ideation. So I had the the best job in the world with them. I would just go around to shops and ask him you know, what parts are failing that you have to get from the dealer. And, uh, you know, we would get lists of these parts. We'd take pictures and then send them to the product managers. And then they would decide what, what to build and what to put out on the market. Sure. And it was, it was a great job. It really was. Uh, but they needed me to move to California and, uh, I was not able to do that at that time. So I, I had to move on, but, uh, yeah, really good people there. Um, it's a good company. Were you uh, just full-time technician prior to that, or uh, how did you – I don't know if I've ever asked you how you got to doing what you're doing. 
Well, I, uh, I, I was a technician and then, uh, the way I moved from being a technician, I started selling scan tools. So, uh, I, I started out with, uh, Bosch diagnostics mm-hmm. and, uh, that wasn't the, the best place for me. Uh, but I did learn a lot about lab scopes and scan tools and, and, uh, programming, uh, as part of my job. And it, I just, I just loved it. So, uh, I worked with them. I worked with, uh, with Autologic back when Autologic was cool. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, we had tools that did some really cool stuff. And, uh, when that started going south, uh, I went to work for a company called JS Products and, uh, my, my job, well, I went to work for Dorman and then I went to work for JS Products doing the same thing I did for Dorman except with hand tools. So I would go out to shops and say, Hey, you know, have you invented any tools or have you made anything that's made your job easier? And man, we would get some really welded up machines ground on stuff that yeah it it saved it saved the day and uh-huh. guys showed me some really cool stuff uh i got one patent out of it uh i i created uh with with our electronics guy it was uh you you plug it into the trailer hitch and you know that you have the the hoppy brand one with the little leds and so you do left turn right turn brake and you can see the little led flash Mm-hmm. That, that tests the trailer brake lights or trailer lights. Uh, and I said, that's a hassle to run back and forth. It makes it to, into a two man job. What if we just put a Bluetooth in there and hooked it up to our phone? So now you can do right turn, left turn, brake, reverse, all that. And it shows up on your phone. Okay. So, if, and, and what it did is if, if your wiring was incorrect, you would see it because guys would, you know, I remember uh, working at the shop, guys would bring a vehicle. Hey, when I'm hooked up to this trailer, the, the lights are wrong. When I'm hooked up to this trailer, the right, lights are right. And we had to make sure that the, you know, it was to the industry standard on the vehicle and then we could fix the trailer. So, uh, we, I had fun helping to develop that. That was a really fun. Yeah. And, that's cool. I know I've seen ones out there like that. Um, where it connects to your phone and shows you the the lights and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. So th- that that's kind of uh, after uh, I left JS Products, uh, they they had a big contract that fell through, and so they had a big reduction in force. And at that time, I'd I'd been programming, uh, I'd been a little bit into the electronic stuff, and I said, you know what, I I I don't want to work for corporate anymore mm-hmm. for a while. So, uh, we, we, uh, went, my son and I, we went f- full time into the programming. And then, uh, as we started to see problems with used modules and not being able to use modules, that's when I started investigating and looking and looking for solutions. I'm still looking for solutions because, uh, you know, the, it started with, uh, I think probably BMW and Mercedes. And uh, it just, it was like a, a disease that went to all the OEMs, you know. Yeah. We can, we can sell more parts if we can keep you from using a used part. So 
Yep. That was that was my motivation to go more and more into this board level stuff. And the more I dug into it, the more I was like, oh, there's an EEPROM there. I can just swap it from one to the other or take the data off one and put on the other. And then I can use this just like a new part. It was it was amazing. And I mean, you must be getting calls all the time from people on like, hey, does this work in this? Or can I put this used <laughs> thing in this? Have you tried that? <laughs> Oh, I get all kinds of questions like that. And some people seem really disappointed when I say, I haven't done that one yet. But I'll, I'll order one in and I'll try it. And, it, you know, they, they want that quick answer. And, you know, something we've really tried to instill into our students when they come to our class, please try everything you can do first before calling me. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I've got, you know, three, four, five hundred students out there that have gone to the class. And and if you can imagine the amount of messages and phone calls and emails that I get, uh, you know, it's hard to get my work done dealing yeah. with all that. So right. I'm happy, right. I'm, I'm happy to help people, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, I, I've, I've still got to make it a living at the end of the day. So, mm-hmm. well, I'm sure that's where the, the classes and the online stuff comes in too, because hey, you can get a you can get a refresher even if you took it. Um, I, I've taken the class, uh, you know, a couple times, three, two or three times now, and each time, I'm gaining more information or I get a question answered that I had or something like that. So that's a that's a great place to do it if you got questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we try to change up the classes a little bit every time, add new material, more relevant material uh something that pedro when we when we started putting these classes together he is really adamant about he says mike i don't want to use a lot of old technology and he said a lot of these classes you go to uh you know about programming or about electronics or electrical they're working on 90s cars and you know we're in the 2000s we're in you know 2022 he said we we need to be within three to four years of uh of the you know the production line because that's what these guys are seeing in the aftermarket mm-hmm. and, th- and there's some things like global b we're probably not going to have any solutions for global b for quite some time they've really locked down those modules really mm-hmm. tight but uh you know the other stuff it's the stuff that's still fairly open we continue to to dig in and try to figure it out and yeah, you've got some specialized classes now too, right? I saw a Chrysler one specifically or something like that. Yes. So we, we have a, a Chrysler class that's going to be given by Tim Izzy and Ira Weldon. It'll be in uh, New Jersey and oh. Point Pleasant Beach. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and then uh, we're going to have, uh, and we'll, we'll teach that class here in Utah too, but they're going to do the maiden voyage on it. Uh, we, we taught that class in Pennsylvania. Uh, about a year ago and uh, they've added some more materials and we've, we've added more stuff to it. Uh, And then uh, we're going to have a global a specific class. Uh, It's going to be coming up here in the next couple weeks. Let me uh, check my schedule here to make sure I tell you the right days. So we're going to be on the 18th and on the 18th of November we're going to be doing our Global A class. And on the 19th of November, we're going to do a class dealing with Kia and Hyundai. And oh, the nice. Kia and, 
the Kia and Hyundai class will be pretty much talking about the the engine controllers and some of the transmission controllers. So it's they have such a big variety of controllers. It it's on the hands-on portion. It's going to take some time to get through some of those. So okay. uh, that will be uh you know a great class for anybody that has to deal with emissions uh and uh dealing with the VIN because with the Kia and Hyundai you can't just plug in with an OBD and change the VIN. You have to uh, actually read the whole file and then write it back in. So it's a uh, it's kind of a hassle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I we don't have emissions testing here, so <clears throat> luckily I haven't had to deal with uh, deal with much of that. But I've talked to some people in other states where it's a uh, quite the quite the hassle. On some of these things, because the modules are non-existent or crazy expensive, and you know, what do you do at that point? Make it work somehow. Yeah, twelve hundred dollars for a module that goes into a twelve hundred dollar car. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard. Exactly. Um, are you uh, open to creating classes based off of requests from you know? Uh, people that are out there or students or anything like that, if we're like, Hey, we really want to know about that. Is it, you know, is that something you plan for the future or how do you decide on a new class? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We don't want to be a one trick pony. Uh, we still want to, to offer our signature class to those who haven't been to our classes, but, uh, yeah, we, these are just the first three we're working on. We're going to definitely work on more. And, uh, and, and build that up. And so we have, you know, every, we won't ever have everything, but uh, right. we, we want, we want to get uh, covered what people need to get covered, what they're seeing out there. So absolutely. Cool. And uh, yeah, I'll put some links in the show notes uh, for people. Uh, do you have a website or what's the best way to access this stuff for somebody that's interested? So, so the easiest website is just epromicon.com. So www.epromicon.com. It's, uh, it's a, uh, alias, but it gets it, gets you to our website. We're, we're working on that website and, uh, it will have the signups there and a few tools that can be purchased. Uh, we know we have a lot of work to do on our website, but you know, where do you put your efforts? Right. Uh, and then, uh, we, they can also reach out to me on Facebook. Uh, it's, I'm just under Mike Christofferson in, on Facebook. And, uh, you know, definitely feel free to reach out to me there. And then, uh, my email address is Mike C at epromicon.com and you can reach me there as well. So I'd be happy to, you know, discuss or, or answer any quick questions anybody has about the class and, and, uh, try to put them at ease about spending all that money. Right. Yeah. That's the thing is it's, it's an investment, but it's, it's just like anything else. I mean, we're making investments in the tools so that we can do these jobs or hopefully do these jobs. Right. But training is the same thing. It's, I think it's, it's an even better investment in my mind. Um, now, of course you want to be in a position where you're actually going to do this type of work. Um, but, there's plenty of it out there and I think very few people who can actually do it. So 
that's where it becomes a really good investment is you can make yourself very valuable um, either to your employer or other shops if you're able to take some of this stuff on and, and make things happen where other people can't. Um, that's that that's where it really has made a difference for me uh, to be able to, they call me up, say, hey, we got this module. Can you make this happen? Yep. We can make this happen. Whereas maybe the other guy says, nope, you got to go new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, that That's the thing. We've gained a lot of customers by saying we could do used. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because of who it attracts, but right. uh, when there's no other option. And that's how I approach the dealers. I say, hey, if you have a, a, a car sitting out there waiting for an ECU, I can help you get that car running like the Hyundai and Kia dealers. Mm-hmm. We have we have a solution for this. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying you should always put in a used module, but if you need to, we're here and we can help you do that. Yeah. There's times so, where it makes sense to do it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it were me, I'd be using used. Mm-hmm. I, I Sometimes I have better luck with used than I do new, especially <laughs> with these new parts that are coming out right now. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's, that's 100% true. And then, and, or if news not, it's discontinued and all you have is something remand, then a lot of times used is your, your better option in that case. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have heard that uh, a lot of the, the uh, wind modules for uh, Chrysler are discontinued. Yep. So, uh, you know, used is the only answer. There's a few of them out there. We're having a hard time figuring out how to reverse engineer and how to get into them. But, uh, you know, fortunately, there's quite a few of them that it's, it's been opened up and we can, we can do that. Take care of those and clone them. You know, it's so nice to be able to clone a module, just plug it in and it starts and runs. Yeah, that's a cool feeling. <laughs> and both both keys work and uh, their keys left at home work. Oh, it's great. Yeah, there's some convenience uh, to it as well in certain circumstances. Uh, you, I mean, you mentioned, yeah, like the crank relearns and the anti-theft relearns. And I mean, uh, a Ford BCM. Boy, if you can clone a Ford BCM over, how much time did you just save? yourself oh it's ridiculous it's it's like an hour and a half to do those things it's terrible (laughs) yeah yeah and that's if the ford software works right yeah exactly does ids work today does it connect to the network with less than 20 minutes of searching you know (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely yep cool cool stuff man um well that's awesome and yeah like i say i'm gonna put in those uh those links in the show notes. So for anybody that wants to check it out, uh, strongly encourage you to do so. Um, but, uh, thanks for uh, joining me this evening. Appreciate uh, your time. Yeah. I appreciate you, Sean. We appreciate you, uh, interviewing and, uh, you know, uh, it's always good to have guys out there willing to promote what we do because it's, it just makes it better for the whole, the whole technician community. You know, we can, provide more solutions and and get smarter yeah exactly yeah uh, just uh, move the industry forward that's what that's what it's all about absolutely awesome 
All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. One more big thank you to Mike for spending some time with me this evening. Appreciate it. Always good to talk from him. I learned a lot just from this conversation. Hopefully you did as well. And make sure to check out those links and the training uh, that they have to offer, especially now that there are some online options if you can't make it in person. Uh, Really cool stuff. There'll be links in the show notes. Other than that, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the show and all the feedback that I've been getting. I really appreciate it. With that all out of the way, let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.